Amen. Well, this is the last Sunday of the month, and like I always say, we do something very dangerous on this Sunday, and we let the kids come up here and try to teach them something. So if you're a kid, I want you to come up here on the stage and sit down on the stage facing the back wall, and we're all going to make fun of you with your back turned. Now, I'm going to tell you a story this morning. Don't fall off backwards over there, okay? You guys can come up a little closer. All right. Now, usually I do some sort of a object lesson, and very rarely does it work right. But uh, this morning, I am just going to tell you a story. Is that okay if I just tell you a story? Well, I'm going to tell you a story. Now, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes kids come to me and they say, Pastor, do you own the church? And they, and they think that somehow or another that I own the church. Okay. How many of you think I own the church? Okay. I don't own the church. Okay. It's not mine. It's all of the churches. Okay. It's, it's like the church of the Nazarene around the world owns this church. I don't own this church, okay? I don't even own a little bit of it. I don't even own not even one screw in this church. Not one nail, not one screw. I don't own anything. I own my Bible over there and this, and that's it. I don't own anything, not one thing. But I want to tell you a story about a church. There was a church one time, (coughs) and it was in a town much like this. And they decided that they wanted to be the biggest and the best church in town. And so they started saving their money and they saved and they saved and they saved. And they wanted to build the biggest, nicest church in town. And they wanted it to be on a corner where everybody, when they drove through town, they could see it. And there was an old man who owned that corner. Okay, and everybody said that he was kind of a mean, old, greedy guy. And uh, so they went to the old man and they said, we would like to buy this. I mean, it was prime property. Everybody in town drove past this property and it was just this square. And every time somebody would try to buy it, Walmart came in and said, can we buy that? And the old man asked way too much money. And he said, I I won't do it. And so the church came and they thought that since they were a church, that maybe the guy would sell it to them. And the guy priced it really, really high. And they said, well, we can't, we can't afford that. And they, and the guy said, well, that's what I have to have for it. So they went back and they said, we don't know what we're going to do. We wanted to build this church and we wanted to be it where everybody could see it. And now we can't afford it. Well, a few days later, the old man came back and he said, I'll sell you that property. And he said, what do you think, what do you think would be a a good price that would help you guys out? And, And they came up with a price and the old man said, okay. He said, but I want to own one screw in the church. He says, I'll sell it to you at your price, but I want to own one screw, just one screw 
in the whole church. And he said, I want a deed to it. I want, I want you to make that out in a legal document that I own one screw in the church. Well, the church was all excited. And they were like, wow, we're going to get this land at the price we wanted. And so they, so they said, sure, sure, we'll do whatever. I mean, I mean, it was just one screw. I mean, how many, there's screws all over this place that hold the sheetrock on. There's screws everywhere. And they were thinking, and here's the deal. One screw, I mean, what's, what's the big deal? One screw. And so the church said, yeah, we'll do that. And so they, they built the church and it was much like this. They had a big sanctuary like this and, and lights and sound equipment. And they built the whole thing and the whole thing was brand new. And on the day that they dedicated it, they thought it would be really great if they invited the old man to put his screw in the church, the one screw that he owned. So the old man came up and, and he, came, he came up on stage and he had a little bag with him. And he came up on stage man, that's loud right in my ear. And he came up on stage and he was like, and they said, uh, okay, mister, whatever your name is. And he pulled out, he had a drill gun like this and he pulled out, I can't read that. Okay. He pulled out, maybe he pulled it out. Should have practiced opening the box. He pulled out one screw. Everybody see that? Just a regular old screw, one screw. And he said, I know where I'm going to put that screw. He said, don't worry, it's not going to bother anything. Nobody will even know it's here. And so he went up to the wall and he picked out a place. And he put it right there. Okay. Can you see that in the back, Tim? Can you see it? You guys can see it because you're close. How about you? Can, Can anybody see it? Not very good. So he said, he said, I, I just didn't want any, I just didn't want anybody to notice it. He said, I put it there where, where nobody would know. And nobody noticed it. It was just his, it was just his little screw and nobody, he, nobody noticed it. If you drove by on the road, nobody could notice it. People drove by all the time and nobody noticed the one little screw that the guy owned. Well, one day the pastor was in his office and nobody thought anything of it anymore after that. They never thought anything about it. They were so happy that they had their church and everything was going good and people were coming to church and they were growing and everything was going great and everybody was happy. And one day the the pastor was in his office and he heard a knock on the door. And it was the old man. And the old man came and and, uh, he had a bag with him. And the pastor said, "Uh, can I help you? And the old guy was like, I just, I just, I just come to see my screw that I own. You know, I've got, I've got a paper that says I own that screw. And the guy goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go in there and sure go up on the stage. And so the old man went up on the stage and he had his bag and he hung the bag on the screw that was his. And then he opened the bag and then he just left. And the pastor was like, what? His pastor was standing in the back and goes, what? What's that? Well, it was about 30 seconds later after the old man left, he realized the old man had put a dead skunk in the bag. There's a dead skunk in there. There's one right now. Can you smell it? I'm just joking. There's not a dead skunk in there. But the old man put a dead skunk in the bag. Well, the pastor called him up on the phone. He said, what are you doing? He goes, you, you can't leave your dead skunk in a bag. And he goes, it's my screw. I've got, I've got legal documentation that says that's my screw. I can do whatever I want to with it. So the pastor called up the lawyer and he said, this guy coming and put a dead skunk on the screw. 
He said, it's, the whole church stinks. And the lawyer went through, he says, there's nothing you can do. It's that guy's, it's that guy's screw. And so he left the dead skunk up on there. And what do you think happened? It started stinking like crazy. And the longer it stayed there, what do you think happened? The worse it stunk. The worse it stunk. Well, on Sunday morning, people came in. As soon as they opened the door, there was like, golly. And people quit coming. It got so bad that down, I mean, he, he wouldn't take it out. And it just got worse and worse. And, and it got so bad that even outside, people could smell the dead skunk. And finally, it got to where nobody would come to church anymore because of the dead skunk in the bag. And it came time and the, and the church started, nobody was coming. Nobody was giving offerings. They couldn't make the payment on the building. And they were going to have to sell all the land and the building back. And nobody would buy it back because the old man owned the little bitty, just owned that little screw. But as long, they knew as long as he owned that little screw, even if somebody bought it, what would he do? He'd put another dead skunk up there and nobody would ever be able to use the nice building or the land. And the old man said, I'll buy it back. And he bought it all back for a dollar. And the whole place was destroyed because of what? One little screw. I'm going to tell you what, kids. Satan only wants one little part of your life. If he can get just one little place where he's in control... He will hang a stinky dead skunk and ruin your life with just one little spot in your life. And you might think, oh, it's just, it's just, I just, I just don't obey my parents all the time. It's just a little thing. And, and, and I do most of the time, but just every now and then I just, just, I'm just not going to obey my parents. And you know what? That's like a screw in the wall. That's one little place where Satan has you. Or you might say, I just, I just lie every now and then just just a little bit and you know what that's another little screw in your life where satan has control and one little screw in your life i'm telling you satan will destroy your whole life believe me this morning kids believe me i want to pray for you father this morning i pray right now in jesus name that you would somehow make this understood in all these little kids lives And Father, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would help them to guard their lives and not give Satan one foothold in their life, not even one little screw in their life so that they can follow you all the days of their life. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go sit down by your folks. Thank you. You guys were so good this morning. Thank you for that. Don't push your sister off the edge. That's not nice. All right, turn your Bibles this morning. We should be going on towards the end, but I'm staying in John. I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, the last few days of uh, reading through the New Testament. Uh, Not this Sunday night, but next Sunday night will be our last small group on our reading of of the New Testament. And then we're going to change that up just a little bit. But we're going to be in John this morning, John chapter 13. So let's uh, turn there and then let's stand in honor of God's word. Let's pray. 
Now let's read this together. And then we're going to read the word. And then we're going to pray. I got all messed up. I got out of my groove. So, okay. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Let's read together. I am, let's see, <coughs> beginning with verse 18. Uh, I, am, I am not referring to all of you. This is Jesus talking about somebody who's going to betray him. I know the, those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, listen to this, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But, do, but no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought he was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Jesus had taken the bread, he, Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Let's pray. Father, this morning, help us to understand how important it is not to give Satan a foothold in our life not even one little spot in our life. And so, Father, I pray today that you would speak through your word, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we talked, uh, we were in John, and we talked about Peter, and Peter sees the power of sin. Jesus see, Peter sees the power of Jesus, and he trusts in the power of Jesus. Okay, And so we see someone who is uh, living in the power of Jesus. We see someone who goes on to do the things that God would have him to do. In Judas, we see someone who sees the power of sin and sees the power of Jesus and chooses to not follow Jesus. Two guys who were in the same place at the same time, both hearing the same thing, and yet both of them took drastically different avenues. Both of them are mentioned in the word as disciples of Christ. Judas was a disciple of Christ. Of all the people who went throughout history, of all the people who have ever lived, Judas was one of the 12. He's mentioned in the word as a disciple of Christ. He was a follower of Christ. He saw the miracles of Jesus. He heard the words that Jesus spoke. He heard the words of God through Jesus, his son, and he heard more more from Jesus than probably most everybody who has ever lived. He heard it out of Jesus' mouth. 
He walked with Jesus. He was there with Jesus. He heard the Jesus' teachings, and, and he was the person that, that, that saw all these things. And if you were a disciple in Jesus' day, day you left everything. Judas was someone who left his job, he left his family, he left his business, he left his home, and he followed Jesus. This was who he was. He was a follower of Jesus, and he did this for, few, for three years. He was a disciple of Christ. He was a follower of Christ. Many of you, if I ask you today, if you were a follower of Christ, you would raise your hand and say, I am a follower of Christ. Judas was a follower of Christ. He had left everything to follow Jesus. Now think about all the things that Judas saw. Judas saw miracles and, and he saw all, all the stories we have heard Judas saw. He, he spent three years hearing the teachings of Jesus. And, uh, and I, can, I can imagine the times that he came back and they were all gathered around the campfire and, and they'd be like, did you see that storm today? And Judas would be like, how did he calm that storm? He saw it. Did you see that blind guy today? He could not see. I have seen that guy before and he can't see. And now he can. How did Judas saw that? That lame guy, he couldn't walk. And now he can. And Judas saw all of these things with his own eyes. He is not just somebody who has heard about Jesus. Judas was an elite disciple of Jesus Christ. He was a close follower of Jesus Christ. And he went from elite disciple to the biggest betrayer in the history of mankind. Do you understand that? He went from one to the other in, 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 in a span of just a few days. And so you have to go, you have to ask the question, how do you go from an elite follower of Jesus to the worst betrayer in history in the span of a week? And here's the point I want to make this morning. If it is possible for a disciple of Jesus Christ who walks with him every day, 24-7, if it is possible for him to leave Christ and betray him, is it not possible for us today who will be followers of Christ to turn our backs on him as well? If it's possible for this guy who walks with him and lives with him and is face to face with him, if it is possible for that to happen to him, is it not possible that that could happen in our own lives? If we look at it, many of us would know people who have had moral failures and very few moral failures happen instantly. People rarely decide to just wake up one day and decide I'm going to steal something or kill something or I'm going to commit something. Uh, commit adultery. Uh, very few times does that happen. Just wake up and that's, that's what happens. Most of the time there's some things that lead up to it. And this is what happened in, in Judah's life. There were things that were leading up to Judas doing this things. And so it says that, that at the end here, when, in the last part of this verse, it says that, that Satan entered into Judas. So how do you get from being a follower of Jesus to a person that Satan can enter into. How does that happen? At some time or another, Judas has let his guard down and he has given Satan 
a foothold. If you read in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, it says, do not give the devil a foothold. Well, here's the reason you don't give the devil a foothold. Because if you give him a foothold, then it just starts to snowball and it comes, becomes worse and worse. And we see that happen and we see that play out in the story of Judas. And we talked about Peter last week and, and Peter and, Jesus and Judas saw all the same things, heard all the same sermons, saw all the same miracles, heard all the same late night talks with Jesus. Do you understand this? It wasn't they were listening to a preacher somewhere on a cassette tape player or an eight track or something or whatever. They were listening to Jesus. All these red words in the Bible, they heard. And, and they both heard the same thing. Peter turns to the power of Jesus. Judas is one who turns away from Jesus and is entered into by Satan. And I have to ask the question, where did things go wrong for Judas? Because if they could go wrong for Judas, they could go wrong for anybody in this room. And people say, oh, well, no, I would never. How many times have you ever heard someone say, oh, I would never do that? There is not one of us who is above the most heinous thing you can think of in your life. And it's not really that far of a fall. You know, I mean, understand, we see this perfect picture here. Judas went from elite follower of Christ to the betrayer of the Savior of the world in a matter of a few days. And so if that could happen to Judas, that could happen to us. And so we have to guard ourselves and guard every little part of our life. And so I'm going to start with just a few things that I, I think happened to Judas. The first thing is he didn't agree with Jesus on every issue. I think sometimes we go through the word and we go, yeah, I can do that. No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. Mm, I don't really think I'll do that. And we just kind of take the parts that we like, the easy parts. And that's not the way that it works in this. We're either all in or all out. And, and there were some things that Judas didn't really agree with Jesus about. And the thing, Judas had a different look, outlook on money than Jesus had. Judas was greedy. Judas loved money. And uh, he was not really in agreement with what Jesus thought about money. If you go back to chapter 12 in John, it talks about when they were in Bethany and Mary poured the, the nard on Jesus' feet. And Judas goes, well, this was a waste. This was a waste of money. He didn't, and, and what did Jesus say? Jesus goes, well, this was a beautiful thing. You see, one of them sees things one way and one of them sees things the other way. You ever go to Jesus and go, well, I just don't see it that way. You're in trouble if you, if you don't see things the way Jesus sees it. And this is where Judas was. He, Judas, Jesus goes, Judas and Jesus is too close to work. I, I wish his name would have been Tim or something like that or Bill. It'd been easier for me to preach this sermon. Judas says, this is a waste. And what does Jesus say? This is beautiful. You see, they don't see things alike. See, we are to come alongside and God calls us to be in agreement with him. Not, not on some of the issues, not on 90% of the issues, but on every issue, God calls us to be in agreement with him. And Judas was not. And we have to be careful when we are not in agreement with Jesus because that means we're giving Jesus, we're giving Satan a foothold. Now imagine that Judas and Jesus 
had had discussions about this before. Probably, probably left out part of the things that happened there. And, and Judas probably was saying, you know, we could, you know, and it says that he said, well, we could have used that money and given it to the poor. And, and Jesus gave all his side of the argument. And Judas goes, well, you know, we'll just agree to disagree. Have you ever done that to God? Well, well, well God, we're just going to agree to disagree. You can't do that with God. You can do that with me. You can do that with your wife till she ends up winning, but you can just, you know, you can do that. I am just going to agree to disagree. You can't do that with God. You know, if you go to God and say, well, I know murder might be wrong, but I I think that it would be okay. We'll just uh, agree to disagree. God's going to go, no, that's not how it works. And Judas was kind of like, well, you know, and it said, and doesn't, it shows here that they disagreed on this. They had a disagreement on what happened there, and it doesn't show Judas ever saying, you know, you're right. I I just saw that completely wrong. I'm sorry. We see no resolution there. We don't see this, this disagreement resolved. And Judas put more value in money than he did Jesus. Be careful when you're not in agreement with Jesus. You better be careful when your life doesn't live in agreement with this right here. And sometimes when you, re- if you read the Bible long enough, sometimes God's going to go, mm, and you're going to go, mm, that hurt. You'll be reading and God's going to say, well, it doesn't look like you really line up there. And that's when I just, oh, I'm, I'll go to the next verse, you know, and he'll go, no, you need to go back. And you can't say, well, God, we'll just agree to disagree. Because that's not how he works. Because he will stay there until you say, you're right. I'm sorry. God help me to come along with whatever you have for me in this word. Okay? You don't get to just go past it. And, and, and this is where Judas was. In this little place in his life, he gave Satan a foothold. Number two. Judas starts using Jesus' ministry for his own needs. It goes on to say that he was using the ministry's money to buy what he needed and buy what he wanted. He said that he helped himself. It starts with a disagreement about money, and it ends, and it goes on, and, and it starts off that he says, well, I don't think, I don't think that uh, you see money right. And then Judas starts stealing it started off as just an agree- disagreement, and then now it started to, Judas is just helping himself to whatever he needs. He's, he's rash- you see how it rationalized things in his mind? It starts with a disagreement, and then you start rationalizing. And he wanted the ministry of Jesus to be what he wanted it to be. Now, there's many different thoughts about this, and I've heard all kinds of preachers preach about it, and I don't know what the answer is, but I know enough about the disciples to know that this was a thought that many of them had, and I believe that Judas did too. I think Judas wanted Jesus to take over. I think Judas really wanted Jesus just to waltz into Jerusalem and say, all right, here's the deal. I am the Messiah, and everybody worship me, and run the Romans out and be king of glory, and all of his disciples come alongside and be wonderful and powerful with him. And I think this is what Judas thought was going to happen. 
And I think Judas was trying to press Jesus to do this and Jesus wouldn't do it. And so I think that's what happened in here. And so we have this going on and what he's really doing is trying to make the ministry of Jesus fit his needs. Have you ever done that in church? You ever done that in church? Well, I'd probably go to church there if they just did what I wanted them to do. See, I thought church was about God. I, I don't know. I would go to church there if they sang the songs that I want to sing. What about if it's the songs that Jesus wants to hear? Because I thought it was about him. I would go to church there if they preached and preached the things that I wanted to hear. Well, we don't get to preach what we want to preach. I never have. There are some times that I have messages that I'm like, boy, this is, mm, this is really, and God will be like, mm, it's not about what you want to do. You know, so I just preach what he says, you know, it's all about him. It's not about you. But Judas was like, I need this so I can have, I need the money to do what I want to do with it. I'm going to need the power to do what I want to do. And so his, his idea had changed. It was to serve his needs. And so if you go to back to chapter 12, it starts off with, he disagrees with Jesus then he steals for his own needs. And then the next thing says, it says that Satan props, prompts him to try to get Jesus to do what he wanted to do. And the last thing it says happens in verse 13, is, in chapter 13 is that Satan enters him. Whew. Anybody here this morning think, I'm, I'd like to try that. I'd like for Satan to enter me just, just, for, just to see what happens. No, you wouldn't. I'm going to tell you what, if Satan has entered you, you're in a bad spot. You're in, you, you're, it's bad. And he has gone from just a, just agree to disagree to Satan has entered him in just a matter of days. This has happened in his life. And, 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 and imagine Judas, uh, back in chapter 12, he didn't think he was in danger. He didn't think, he didn't think if, 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 if you'd have told him right then, you know, if you stay on this road, Satan's going to interview you. He, I mean, interview you. Hi, I'm Satan. Can I ask you a few questions? <laughs> I'm going I wouldn't even want to do an interview with Satan. If you went back to chapter 12, a few days before this happens, a few days before Satan enters him and said, Judas, you know, in a few days, Satan's going to interview you. He'd went out. I'm a disciple, yo. Do you not see who I'm walking around with? I am close to Jesus. Do you agree with him on everything? Nah, we don't agree on everything, but there's no way Satan's getting inside me. He, he thought he was fine. He thought everything was going good. And if you'd ask him if Satan was going to enter him, he would have said, no way, dude. I'm a disciple. And I think if this morning, if I ask you, do you think there's any danger of Satan getting in you and destroying your life? You would say, no way, dude. I'm at church this Sunday morning. I'm here. I'm putting in my time. I'm here every Sunday. I put a little money in the, in the offering plate. I sang all the songs. I was off key, but I still sang. I even went to a Sunday school class. Sometimes I show up on Wednesday night. I am fine. Do you agree with Jesus on everything? Eh, we agree to disagree. Mm. Mm. 
And it's like that everywhere you go. And if you asked Judas, he would have said, I'm okay. I'm doing all right. And the truth is we have to agree with Jesus on everything. And church, if you don't think that this can happen to you, I'm going to tell you what, you're wrong. This can happen to me. This can happen to me. It happens to pastors all the time. They are rolling. Their churches are rolling. And they have a major moral bankruptcy. I don't know what you call it. Moral fail. And if you'd asked them, are you going to have a moral fail? They would have said, no way. I'm the preacher for crying out loud. And if it could happen to Judas, it could happen to me. And it could happen to you. And we have to guard our lives. We see it in pastors and church leaders, people who were close to Jesus at one time and then they fall away. And I want to ask you this morning, are you in danger this morning? I think that this is a valid question for all believers. And it starts off with, am I in agreement with Jesus on everything? Judas had one area in his life where he disagreed with Jesus and it gave Satan a foothold. It gave Satan a little screw in the wall and Satan took that and utterly destroyed Judas. Do you know that Judas probably did some good things in his life? Does anybody remember anything good that Judas did ever? Satan destroyed Judas's reputation from before to all of eternity. Do you understand that? Satan destroys your whole life to where there's nothing good even remembered. This man walked with Jesus and all that's remembered. If you, if you come up to somebody and go, well, you Judas Iscariot, they'd just punch you right in the mouth. Nobody ever says, well, Judas was a disciple. Nobody ever stands up for Judas. You know why? Because he betrayed Jesus. Satan destroyed his life. And you know what? That's what Satan wants to do to your life this morning. He doesn't want to just destroy. He wants to destroy the past and he wants to destroy your future. He wants to destroy it all. And it starts with just a little foothold. Lance, I want you to come this morning. I want us to stand this morning. As I was thinking about how to close this this morning, I was thinking that it would not be easy for anybody to respond to this today. Because if you respond, you're saying there's a spot in my life that's not quite what God would have it to be. And nobody wants to say that. Nobody wants to do that. Folks, this is church. That's what we do. Word says we confess to one another. We we say, yeah, okay, I've got I've got a spot in my life. You know what? If I if I took this bag off the wall. 
Nobody can see that. Everybody driving by looks just look just looks like nobody even knows it's there. And if you were really honest this morning, you would say, Pastor, there's a little place like that in my life, and nobody knows it's there, but I do. And if I ask you, what's the spot in your life right now? You know exactly what it is. You know exactly what it is. And I'm going to tell you this morning that if there's a little spot like that, it will lead to your utter destruction if you don't get it taken care of this morning. We've watched it. I mean, I've watched it in countless people's lives. They're following Jesus. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. From, all, from the outside, from the parking lot, from the road, everything looks good. And everybody's like, you're doing great. We've seen it in pastors. We've seen, we see it in pastors all the time. They're leading their church and they're doing good and God bless them. And they've got a little old spot in there. And then all of a sudden one day there's a dead skunk hanging on it and the whole thing's ruined. That's what Satan does. He is so evil. I'm going to tell you this morning, don't let your... Here's the deal. I don't care what the spot is. Nobody in here cares what the stinking spot is. Nobody's going to go, well, I wonder what the spot... Nobody cares today. Nobody cares about the stupid stinking spot. Except that it'll destroy you. Nobody's going to go home and say, well, I wonder what their spot was. Hmm. Nobody, nobody cares. But don't walk out of here with it. I wish, I wish we in the church would just be honest and say, you know what? I got a little spot and you don't have to tell me, I don't care. You don't have to tell anybody in here, but you need to tell God about it. He already knows it. He already knows it. And you say, God, take this out. You get my whole, you have my whole life. You have full ownership in my life. Satan owns nothing of me. God, you own it all. I give it to you now. Don't leave here with Satan having any part of your life this morning. Don't let pride keep you from being what God would have you to be this morning. We're going to open up the altar. If you need to pray today, come as we sing.